Technorama episode 734, Heart Flush. Hello and welcome to Technorama, the show that takes a lighthearted look at tech, science, sci-fi, and all things geek. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. You found us on a most auspicious occasion. Well, you know, 99% of the country is watching something else, but... They're not watching us. And you may have found us by watching later. We record this show at 8.30 Eastern time on YouTube and Twitch and Facebook every week. Every week that we're here anyway. And we are happy to be here. If you are rejoining us, thank you very much. Listening or watching, we appreciate you giving us your time. My name is Chuck Tomasi from sunny Phoenix, Arizona. And right over there is the one and only Craig Stepp. How are you, Craig? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back for a little bit. Back. Although we're going to turn we're going to turn around and take back off. Right. We got we got one more show this month we can try. Yeah, we're going to do another show next weekend and then right. we'll be off for a couple more weeks. We got the Star Trek cruise coming up. Mm-mm-mm. Still trying right. to get my brain wrapped around that because we just got Are done you? with the cruise and now it's like I'm 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 jamming out to work because I've got about six months, six do six days left to work this month. Oh, wow. Six days. Well, yeah, it is a leap year. <laughs> and that doesn't matter. And there's a book deadline due as soon as I get back from the Star mm. Trek cruise. So try to get as much done at work, get as much done on the book, get as much, you know, pre-roll things in. We're recording two podcasts, which is good for another four weeks. So hopefully we'll keep ahead of the. Can you talk about the book a little bit? Podcasting for Dummies, fifth edition. Yeah. Uh, coming out this summer. We don't have a definite release date on it. T and I are quickly redoing a number of chapters. Some are just light touch-ups. We've ditched an entire chapter and put in a whole new one on artificial intelligence. We added a new parts of five, which is called, uh, excuse me, parts of 10. It's section five, parts of 10. Okay. The uh, 10 things I wish I'd known when I started podcasting. <laughs> that You know what? Actually, that sounds like a title of a podcast in itself. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. It was tough keeping it down to 10, but I, I bet so. got the the 10 most common things that I see or hear on a podcast that mm-hmm. uh, you want to pay attention to. So, and as we mentioned in the pre-show. I, I got one. Yeah. Volume. Vol- what about it? Yes. Have some volume. Well, there's not really a clear standard. I know that. that yes, there is. There is. It's like Luff 16. Yeah. I'm just saying between people it's not a clear standard well at least they're not paying attention to it and we go into that and you can do that in post-production whatever uh audio quality between the host and the guest you know the guest doesn't have to sound like they have ten thousand dollars worth of equipment in their studio but the the host should sound decent not not that they're on a laptop across the room yeah that was the other thing was and i don't really find a whole lot of podcasts that sound crappy i do gotta, well uh, maybe we should share it because i don't uh the ones i listen to they're, they're the quality is pretty good at least most are good yeah it's just the but i can tell that there's a volume difference because i'm in the, if i'm in the especially in the car or even with my uh listening yep. on my glass i have to turn up a, a couple of notches on a few of them just uh some of them are they're just inconsistent. That's what it is. And we're working that, on a special celebrity. If you're watching the video, you probably already know, but I'm, I'm not going to reveal it yet. We're a special celebrity to do the forward for oh, the book. Taylor Swift? Uh, no. <laughs> She's not a podcaster as far as I know. I don't know. Maybe. She's She's might too be. busy with know. her musical career and, and many other things. Mm-hmm. All righty. So, interesting. Good. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Let's get into a little bit of feedback. We have a question of the week to answer. From you and you and you. Our question of the week this last week came from our patron and listener, Kyle, a.k.a. Mad Marv. And he said, take your favorite superhero and give them a D&D class. 
Yeah. So Lone Guys Night writes in, The Tick, Paladin. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, The Tick. Uh, Steve London said, I'm really, I'm not really into superheroes, but I like the penguin from Batman. So he would, he would be a fat thief halfling. <laughs> yeah. That's that perfect. Right. I like that. Yeah. And then Kyle writes, Batman is a multi-class rogue artificer hybrid because he does enjoy using his toys and sneaking up on the bad guys. Superman is the weird one because he does try to murder hobo his way through every problem, but without killing anyone, usually I'd mm-hmm. categorize him as a fighter. On the Marvel side, Spidey is pretty much a ranger since he usually relies on web sling, more web slinging than punching. And Wolvie is a barbarian bub. Barbarian bub. And I think you've got one comment on your post. Yeah, I did. Gary Lindris said, uh, Green Lantern is a wizard. <laughs> Makes sense. A green wizard. Doc- yeah, a green wizard. Uh, Dr. Strange would Hal also Jordan be a wizard. Jordan the green. <laughs> Do what? Dr. Strange would also be a wizard. Dr. Strange, yes. Yes, he would. He is. That well, was too yeah, obvious, is, right? By definition, that's what he is. Yeah, so. Is he lawful neutral? Lawful chaotic? What is he? Mm. Law. Uh. I, I don't know if I would say chaotic. He doesn't he doesn't always follow the rules though. Well, that's true. So hmm. Hmm. Yeah, lawful chaotic, I guess uh might yeah, that might be uh him. Yep. Alrighty. We're gonna give you a chance to mull that over and if you wish, go over to our Facebook page and reply to it. We'll have another question of the week for you in just a few short days. But until that time, we're gonna say goodbye to the feedback. And hello to the history. On this day in history for February 14th. Hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. No, it's St. Valentine's Day. Yes, yeah, right. St. Patrick's Saint Day is next month. Yeah. <laughs> it also happens to be my 5,000 day anniversary at service now. Weird coincidence. Wow. I've been there okay. for 5,000 years. That's like almost half of Lisa's lifetime. You've been there for 5,000 years? 5,000 feels like it. Anyway, yeah. back to the history. It's the 45th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar, and there are 320 to one, 21 days remaining in 2024. It was on this date in 1778. Wow, that rhymes. That the United <laughs> States flag was formally recognized by a foreign naval vessel for the first time. Hey, I recognize that flag over there. Isn't that the yeah. new United States? When French Admiral Toussaint Guillaume Piquet de la Motte, pardon my French, that the name just went on and on. No uh, kidding. He rendered a nine gun salute to the USS Ranger commanded by John Paul Jones. Wasn't he in Led Zeppelin? I was going to say something like that. <laughs> He's been around for a while. All right. Also today in 1849, the New York City, I'm sorry, in New York City, James Knox Polk became the first serving president of the United States to have his photograph taken. Hey, bring that back here. Yeah. It took him 20 minutes to stand there, I'm sure. And then somebody took it. Okay, boys, let's get some pictures. Yeah. That same date in 1855, Texas was linked by telegraph to the rest of the United States with the completion of the connection between New Orleans and Marshall, Texas. And it was 148 years ago today that Alexander Graham Bell applied for a patent for the telephone, as did Alicia Gray. Alicia Gray. Oh, the famous race to the patent office. And guess who won? Yeah. It was also on this date in 1899 that voting machines were approved by the U.S. Congress for use in federal elections. Ah, they're all rigged. (laughs) Don't say that. I'm just kidding. Yeah. It was also on that date in 1912 that the U.S. Navy commissioned its first class of diesel-powered submarines. (laughs) Nice and quiet. I heard it had a lot of gas. No, it had no gas. Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was 106 years ago today that Russia adopted the Gregorian calendar, finally. Oh, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have their, uh, our count here at the top of the... No, they're you know. just like one of the last countries to adopt it. Everybody else was about oh. 200 years earlier. Right. 
It was also on that date in 1924 that the computing tabulating recording company changed its name to International Business Machines Corporation. A much better name, I would say. It just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> say, is that laptop by the computer tabulating recording company? <laughs> yes, Funny. yes, it is. February 14th, 1961, discovery of the chemical element 103, known as Lorentium, was first synthesized at the University of California. And that same date in 1990, the Voyager 1 spacecraft took the photograph of the planet Earth that later became famous as the Pale Blue Dots. We'll have more Voyager news in the stories coming up. Yep. February 14, 2000, the spacecraft near Shoemaker entered orbit around asteroid 433 Eros, the first spacecraft to orbit an asteroid. And it was also on this date in 2005 that YouTube was launched by a group of college students, eventually becoming the world's largest video sharing website in the world and a main source of viral videos i've seen my share of those on youtube to me it's YouTube? surprising that's still not around yeah 2005 youtube who remembers that i know happy birthday goes out of this day too no it won't german priest and mathematician johannes werner born on this date in 1468 and born february 14th 1819 american journalist politician invented the typewriter Christopher Latham Scholes. Hey, if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have that sound effect at the end of the letters. That's right. Yeah. French astronomer and academic Benjamin Biol. Biol? B.O. B.O., yeah. Born on this date in 1848. George Washington Gales Ferret Jr., the American engineer inventor of the Ferris wheel, was born 165 years ago today. They could have called it the George wheel, the Washington wheel, the Garris, Gale wheel, or the Junior wheel, wheel, or the Gale Ferris wheel, or the... Mm-hmm. Sorry, old pun, uh, no. old play on the old joke, Raymond J. Johnson yes, I Jr. Know. I, I went, yeah. Okay, 165 years ago. Charles Thompson Reese Wilson. Or should I say, Charles Thompson Reese Wilson, the Scottish <laughs> physicist and meteorologist, Nobel Prize laureate, was born on the same date in 1869. My apologies to all my Scottish friends out there. Yeah, you got to do more than that. You got to go on tour and apologize. American actor and producer Jack Benny was born 130 years ago today. Oh, Rochester, where's my new white jacket? I'm <laughs> wearing it. Not anymore, you're not. <laughs> Fritz Zwicky, one of the f- most fun names to say in astronomy. Fritz Zwicky. Wasn't he in the Transformers movie? Fritz Zwicky. No, that's Witwicky. <laughs> the Swiss-American physicist and astronomer. I'm way ahead of you on this one. Yeah. He was born on the same date in 1898. Fritz Zwicky. <laughs> American mathematician and academic Nobel Prize laureate Herbert H. Hopton was born 170, I'm sorry, 107 years ago today. I had a friend named... Chris A. Hopman. Hmm. Wonder if he's related. Hmm. Born February 14, 1934, American actress and singer Florence Henderson. Mom Brady. That's right. Oh, the also music turning... ran out. What's that? The music were running out. Oh, that's all right. Also turning 57 today is Greek English businessman. He founded EasyJet, Stelios um, Halilanu. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. It's Greek. Yeah. Oh, okay. English actor, director, and producer Simon Pegg. Oh, Scotty is 54 today. Yeah. And a, oh, great. Estonian computer programmer co developed Skype. Jan uh, Tillin was born on this date in 1972. You, you saw Estonian and freaked out. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> Jan Tallinn. Uh, that's a tough one. All right, listener birthdays. We've got a lot of them this week. On the 14th, we have two of them. Our own friend, Douglas E. Welch of Career Opportunities Podcast, former Friends in Tech band member. The Andrew from Illinois is also on the 14th. On the 15th, we have Philip from Australia. Wow, we haven't talked to him since I was in Australia many years ago. I was going to say, you talked to him uh, a few years ago. 2018, 2019, something like that. Bob Trait of the Mega Podtastic, formerly of Mega Podtastic, and Action Figure Junkies is on the 17th. The 18th, we have two more. Hot John Miller, also <laughs> claiming to be from Mega Podtastic. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exist anymore. And Ray Insalaco from Connecticut is on the 18th. 19th, we have three. Scooter in Connecticut, Stephen Sumter, and Steve Cody in South Carolina, all on yeah. February 19th. We wish you all the best. 
Happy birthday this week. If it is your birthday and you're not on our special birthday calendar, well, that's easy to fix. Well, first, we wish you a happy birthday, even if you're not on the calendar. But if you want to fix that, you head over to... Ding. I'm trying to get over there. There, Not that one. Not that one. chuckchat.com slash birthday we'll take you to our birthday calendar you fill out the form you put your birthday in there and we'll give you a shout out at the appropriate time of year well-oiled machine that's the way it was on this day in history for february 14th 2024 i know it says 23 on there so i'm fixing that now all right in the news random button we didn't hear that do that random button again good news cry thank you speak up there Everyone, oh, I just said that. Sorry, I hit the button. I hit my button. No, leave the sound effects to me. (laughs) All right, in the news, NASA's Voyager One. See, we told you we'd have more Voyager news coming up. Uh, it's starting to malfunction. They uh, it turns out the memory they used back in 1970, whatever, when they built this thing, uh, is starting to decay. Uh, Voyager One. It's it you know hey if I got forty five years out of a RAM upgrade I did on a computer way back then it's like, yeah, or, it's got four K well any device that you had you know for forty five years that's a pretty good run although I do have an Apple IIe over in the corner but I after watching a number of uh, videos I'm almost afraid to start it up because they say that the capacitors in the power supply could decay and. If you fire it up fail and they when you turn fail, on. they'll yeah, they could cause damage to the motherboard. So I'm not going to turn that on until I closely inspect it once again. Hmm. So keep an eye on that. But you know, this is well, hey, yeah, for something to go, uh, be dormant for so long uh, and not and you don't use it every day, and all of a sudden just turn it on, you just throw in electricity through the system. I'm sure it'll be a little shock to it. It has, yeah, it has more to do with the the quality of the capacitors they used at the time. Sure, but uh, Voyager, on the other hand. Wow, they use some quality components in that. Now, 45 years, this thing's not going to last forever, but it has been really an icon. We talked about you know, 1990, it sent back the pale blue dot. It's it's left the solar system. It's way mm-hmm. out there. Uh, we're still getting occasional signals from it, but it's starting to reach the end of its life. And I suspect that's going to happen in the next few years that we're going to lose total contact with it. Well, they said because of the... Memory failing, it's affecting telemetry readings. So if you yep. don't have that, you don't know where to actually look at. I mean, it's kind of a guessing game at that point. Well, they know the speed and direction, so they could aim it that way. Saying, but it's, saying it's, it's you know, a little bit of a guess. Yeah. You're not going to receive anything back from it to say, um, mm-hmm. the current time is 1252. The now, temperature love, is cold. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear have a follow-up story where... They miraculously got it back. You know, that'd be awesome. They're but not going to get it back. Probably not. No. Hey, wait. Unless something brings it back. It would take you a long... It, no. No, no. You know how long it would take to get out there and get it and bring it back? No, no. Another race. What if, what if something brought it back? Why? <laughs> well... <laughs> There's a record on it to invite them to Earth. What are you talking about? Why? Oh, you mean somebody else bring yeah. it back? I think you meant yes. if uh, we brought it back. Why? Why is it? I always feel like I gotta uh, 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 <laughs> to sit there. Well, you're someone my, was a bit vague. I feel like I gotta de- defend my thesis with you every every week. <laughs> this is like talking to my wife. <laughs> I said, "What if something brought it back?" You said you someone. Like, someone, yeah. Now that that implies a a person, a something what? implies something else. What what if it would you not consider an alien life form? Some some something did bring it back. Voyager. <laughs> oh wait, that was Voyager five. We still haven't launched that. Then again, we never launched the Jupiter two either, and that was yeah. supposed to happen what nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, we're a little behind. Didn't send, why didn't they send out like a whole army of these things? We've over missed time. the eugenics wars. We missed the. <laughs> Uh, Terminator going Sky, Skynet coming online. Skynet, yeah. Dang it! We missed, uh, uh, we missed Marty McFly showing up in 2015. Dang, it's just not any fun. <laughs> Missing all the good stuff. Right. I wish science fiction would get it right for once. Well, then again, not really. If it comes to things like the Terminator, 
No, that's, I don't. I don't want that. Okay. Well, speaking of scary things, mm-hmm. another space-based story. A researchers have launched some cancer cells into space. Why you say? <laughs> To find out what they do. Now, previously, mm-hmm. they launched things like stem cells into space mm-hmm. and went, wow, that's fascinating. Uh, so they launched some cancer cells in. And according to what I read, they took off like gangbusters. I'm like, that's not good. Not exactly. Until no. they sent up some medications, one of which is already approved by the FDA and one is not. And the one that's not was called Rebexanib. R-E-B-E-C-Rebexanib. Uh, maybe they should take some naming cues from IBM. Well, they'll probably sell it to somebody and they'll name it like Trough or something. Who knows? They always trough. give it a simpler name. Trough. Deliquis or who knows? <laughs> okay, that's a little bit better. Yeah. A little druggy sound. Uh, I, I got a joke, but I'm not going to say it here because it's not clean. Anyway, <laughs> about medical names. <laughs> if you want to hear the joke, come on to the Patreon yeah show afterwards. They'll name it, I know, they'll name it after the, the, the launch mission, Axiom there. Although I think there okay. already is a Nexium, which might be confusing. Anyway, they, they said when we treated the cancer, I think they were treating a sample of breast cancer or something, with this Rebexanib, uh, they said it was amazing. It pretty much shut down everything, even though the cancer was being very aggressive on its own. Like, now, I don't know exactly what this means in terms of, hey, we found a treatment because you can't launch every cancer patient into space and give them this. That's <laughs> yeah. not practical. Okay, there's the flaw in their plan. <laughs> you can't really put them into the vomit comet because that only lasts a few seconds. Right. So I'm not sure how this helps us. They didn't really clarify that. It just said, this is not just unbridled hope, it's practical hope says uh, Dr. Jameson, adding that right. aside from scientists on the ground, the team working on the advanced the potential life-saving innovation includes NASA and European astronauts. Adds Jameson, on the International Space Station, they don't mess around. Hmm. So right. I'm, I'm just happy that there's research going on and we've made progress well, on how to beat cancer a little bit well, more. Well, sounds interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, of course. All right, should we go on to the crazier stories? Yes. Okay, crazy story time, also known as Acts of Strange Stories. Hey. I, this one I cannot believe because it just sounds so outlandish. Well, it's from that, NBC News, so it's got a good no, chance no, of being true. Publishers. No, not that. I mean, just the details uh, of the whole story. Well, yeah. a radio station in Alabama was forced to go silent after thieves stole its 200-foot or, <laughs> what is that, 61 meters radio tower and other equipment from a building. They stole the tower. Okay, now, this was an AM transmitter, and they said, um, hey, FCC, WJLX AM is off the air because, well, someone stole our tower and transmitters and a whole bunch of other stuff out of the radio shack, not the store. That's what they call the little <laughs> shack. Up. Okay. Right. Uh, but we have an FM counterpart. Can we keep going with that? And they said, no. Darn it. Uh, so... Uh, they they had a meeting with the mayor about what to do, and they said, well, it's we don't have insurance, um, but we're going to try and go on. We're going to try and go on with, with what we can. I don't. They didn't say how much this equipment was valued. I got to wonder how much AM transmitters cost. Like, was it well, I got to wonder how many listeners are there to this AM station. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people listen to AM, Craig. Um, yeah. No, I probably wouldn't be. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, I just seems. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. How many? Yeah. Would I be surprised? Is there a lot or is there a little? Well, there has to be listeners to get advertisers, and there has to be advertisers to get revenue to keep the station mm-hmm. going. Otherwise, it would have shut down a long time ago. So, but I, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to an AM station. Um, maybe by maybe because I accidentally game. hit the button in my car, but. <laughs> Sport, yeah. Sports game. They often transmit at AM. Well, I'm just saying, I couldn't tell you the last time I did. Oh, okay. How about you? Have you listened? You listen to AM stations all the time? Uh, not locally. We used to listen to them on, in Wisconsin all the time because WTMJ was the Packers radio station. Mm-hmm. Now, I have heard some radio. I had a friend that had a, uh, well, a bunch of antennas in his trees. You know, he was a ham radio kind of guy. Yep. And, 
it was interesting where he would tune in to some of the AM stations, not necessarily in the U.S. You would get some bounce and hear some right. stations from like Cuba and stuff. Yep, which was which was interesting to hear. Yep, yeah. Well, I've been having conversations with friend of the show and listener Scott Reynolds. He uh, he just got his ham license, and he oh. so now he can transmit, and he's only transmitting at like a tenth of a watt or something. It's really yeah. really low. And it's surprising how good they are at picking the signal out of the noise. It's it's ridiculously noisy out there, but yet with the algorithms and whatnot that he's using, mm-hmm. he's been listening for a while and decoding a lot of stuff. But now he can transmit. So that's, that's not cool. that's really not a whole lot because uh, a regular CB radio is about four watts. Yeah, I, I I thought he said it was really low, like a tenth of a milliwatt or something. It was it was ridiculous, but. Um, I, I don't know who he's transmitting to other than his garage. <laughs> he's trying to get some aliens to pick up that Voyager one and bring it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can hear this record, please return this satellite. You know, it's interesting. Also interesting. Yes. Uh, speaking of Scott, I, um, I've seen some other people announce that they got their ham license. I'm like, I didn't think a lot of people would have a big interest in it. Uh, Mike Wills. I'm just saying, yes, I'm saying I don't hear about it often. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden within the last year, it's kind of ramped up. That's what I was getting mm-hmm. at. And you don't need to right. set up this mega structure antenna on top of your house. No, not necessarily. No. No. And uh, I remember, um, I know several a bunch of people do this, but they it's almost like a, a data stream. You can pick up streams mm-hmm. and decode stuff mm-hmm. right off the out. I watched a video of a guy decoding some data from airplanes. Police band. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Quick shout out cool. to the chat room. You can watch us. Well, first, we got to remind you that you can watch us and listen to us. Sunday nights at 830. Somebody's out there. They haven't made themselves known in the chat yet, but uh, they're probably watching the Super Bowl on their Announce other yourself. Speak and be recognized. That's right. 8.30 Eastern Time, U.S. Eastern Time on Facebook, YouTube, and X. I'm not going to say the formerly known as part. <laughs> you you kind of just did. <laughs> nope. Not going to do everybody it. Everybody still says that. That's funny. Yeah, oh, you know. yeah, so what's the point of renaming your company if everybody still refers to it by the old name? I know. Eventually yes. that'll stop. I mean, I, I heard a TV show, recent TV show, that didn't even say the X part. They just said, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so on Twitter. I'm like, Okay, no one's really giving Uh-oh. that up. Nice job, yeah. Elon. You suck at rebranding. I don't know why they rebranded that. Uh, dumb idea, number one. Well, there's a whole bunch of dumb ideas in that company right now. But anyway, um, shout out to the chat room. I think we've got that coming up, right? Yeah, I think I almost didn't skip over that. Yes. We have one person, but we don't know who that is yet. We still haven't said anything. Mystery listener. Mystery listener. He's that. He's from the Technorama headquarters. He's a secret, like a secret shopper, Mystery making watcher. sure we're doing our job. It's it's really the Voyager spacecraft listening in on us. Yeah, this would be the Voyager show. Read the Voyager show. Wow, there's a lot of Voyager references in this show. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Let's go to the remember when because we remember when it turns out that a 42 year old computer namely the Timex Sinclair, can actually do ray tracing. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Yeah. When you hear the term ray tracing, you know, you probably you think of those 3D rendered objects, the, the, the pictures. Um, this actually doesn't surprise me as much as you'd think, because in 82, uh, the university where I went had some mm-hmm. mini computers and people were doing this. And I remember... Oh, Barry Peterson's class. It was called computer graphics. I'm sorry, I don't remember Barry. No, he was he was a bit of an oddball. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't a doctor. I think he was just professor. Right. And uh-huh. I I had the was it the compilers course with him? No, I had a course called mini computers with him. But he also had one called computer graphics, and that's where you applied your math skills, which I had little to none of. Where you do your you know, calculus and linear algebra and all this other stuff because you could put the shading on the spheres and the lighting right. source. And, and and I remember even back then on those 
powerful mini computers. I think it was a DEC PDP-11 or something. Mm -hmm. uh, it would take an hour or so to draw a decent image. Well, this guy wrote a renderer in basic. Now, you got to remember that he did this on the ZX Spectrum, which has some limitations like, oh, uh, it's a thousand Memory. times slower than a modern day computer. It has a whopping total. I'm surprised it's only a thousand times. 48K of RAM, 15 mm -hmm. colors, and 256 by 176 resolution. So let me, I'm going to click through to the Hackaday article, which actually has the image on here, and share it on the screen for our viewers. Present. Share screen. And not the entire screen. Let's do a Chrome tab. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There. Okay. You well, know, considering beautiful. what he had to work with, that's not yeah. too bad. The challenge is there's some bleed over. You can see the red kind of bled into the yellow. That's why it looks mm -hmm. like it's a stair-stepped sphere in some spots. Yeah. And the blue and the green kind of did the same thing on the yellow. Hey, where's that anti-aliasing? <laughs> 17 hours. Yeah. To generate wow. that image. Okay. You certainly don't want to be making a uh, you know, Pixar movie on this thing. You know what would suck is if you know you go, okay, I think it's running. And then you <laughs> and then you come back two hours later. Or no, seventeen or sixteen hours later, and it's munged up. You hit a bug, like yeah. in the first five minutes. Divide by zero, or it's sitting there. <laughs> yeah, or 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 the sphere is like you zoomed in too close, and it's nothing but red. Like what? Yeah. What happened? Oh, I got to zoom out. So you got to. I'm sure he did some basic wireframing or whatever to go. Okay, this is this is right now. Let's start filling in the shading. So, yeah, pretty impressive. What else mm -hmm. do you do with a 42 year old computer? I know. Well, yeah. It, I'm going to go play Load Runner on mine. You could, yeah. <laughs> you still have you still have Load Runner? I do. Around? And yeah. as a matter of fact, just yesterday, I discovered what's it called? I got to find it here. ASCII Express. <laughs> ASCII Express. ASCII Express. Why does that sound familiar? That sounds if, like something. I if you have an audio port on your computer which mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure my 2E does. Mm -hmm. They used to use them for the cassette. You can plug in your smartphone or other computer, go to a website, go look through this library. It's like, hey, I want to play Apple Panic. And it has a like an audio player icon. That's right. basically your cassette now. So you plug in the audio cable, oh. you hit... You, you you type load on the computer and it will start loading from what it thinks is a cassette. And then you hit this play and it makes all the audio tones up similar to a modem and it will load the oh. application in there. And what's better is you can also put in an unformatted disc and it will burn the image onto the disc. Like, oh man, now I kind of want to go find some five and a quarter inch floppies. Right. I don't know where you can buy them anymore, but I yeah. want to do this just to say I like... I know some of the floppies in my old shoebox aren't hold up anymore. But I want to go play Load Runner. It goes, eh, no. Yeah. Dude, yeah. a bit rot. You're here, not going to play here, Load here, Runner. Here, 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 trying to reread a sector. It's nice to know that some of the games, I looked up some of my favorites. They weren't on that particular website. But you could go and reload them from mm -hmm. an audio file to memory you know, to disk. You know what? I saw, I'm trying to remember the context. I think it was that. Remember, uh, there was a guy a video I posted in our show notes, and he was talking about he was investigating this old language that he was wanting to play with, but it never appeared. Yep. And uh, I think on, on one of his videos I saw the other day, he had a Commodore, had an audio hooked up to it, and did that what you just said. Yeah. He was like playing. He was playing like the audio file of the tape from an iPod or something, yeah. you know, I was like, wow, that is pretty cool. I, I would have flipped out. if I saw something like that when I was younger. Cause I did use cassettes for a while. Ugh. What are you doing, man from the future with that little <laughs> box talking to my big box? Yeah. Imagine what rolling in with like that little iPod um, shuffle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if, if you go to the website, yeah. It looks like it was drawn on an old eight bit machine. Like it, it's a BBS kind of screen. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. It's hard to read, but it's fun. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it just well, it still goes to show that 
old computers are not necessarily, I mean, this might be a little bit out of the norm, but old computers aren't necessarily just obsolete for no reason. Absolutely. Got the time, yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to know where I can go buy some five and a quarter inch unformatted. Oh, uh, double single sided double density discs. I did get. A floppy. Oh, you got some three and a halfs. Yeah, hold on a second. I'm, I'm gonna show you something. That makes for good audio podcasting, right there, folks. As he takes off his headphones and turns around. All right. So, actually, you know what? I'll save it for the media uh, for uh, Patreon show. Yeah. All no, right. We got to. Yeah. No, 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 oh. no. Uh, the, uh, our pass me the remote. Okay. Yeah. All right. One other story in the remember when we've got some ads for you about when William Shatner endorsed the Vic 20. Well, turns out he still does. Uh, uh, somebody on X sent out a message. I saw a commercial that you did. And I guess in the early eighties being a spokesman for the Commodore 64. No, it was the Vic 20. And, uh, all these years later, you're an Atari fan. Have a fantastic Friday, Mr. Shatner. He said, Dear Mr. Sporto, <laughs> the Commodore VIC-20 was the best personal computer in the 80s for the price. The Atari 2600 was a game console from the 70s. Sad True. Face. Good of him, man. He's he's still with it. Yeah. Actually, I would... I wouldn't... I don't know. If maybe for the price... When he says for the price, but the VIC-20 and the Commodore 64... I think the 64 is probably the best computer for the eighties for the, the money. Price. Yeah. No, so you have to, you have, that, to be, you have to be clear on what you mean by best computer when you make statements like, well, that. that's true too. It you had know? a lot of capabilities. It was one of the most popular. It's a shame that Commodore lost their edge you know, in innovation and the market. For a long time, they held it on because they had, remember the Amiga was around for a while. I've been watching lots of documentaries, buddy. They didn't mm-hmm. even make the Amiga. They bought that, that technology from somebody else. Yeah, I think they bought most of it from somebody else. All right. Well, they could because they had all that Commodore 64 money. Let's do, <laughs> let's do the patron thing. I think there's some music back there. Yes, there is. Okay, this all is right. where we thank the people that donate their cold, hard cash or hard, cold hash. To our what? show, <laughs> hold card hash. You're Amsterdam now. <laughs> as little as a dollar a show that we do goes directly to the support of this show. Bandwidth and software upgrades, etc. Alexis Duran, Amber Elstad, Amy Bowen, Abner Braverman, Ben Vaughn, Brian Brown, Chris Martinez, Chris MC, Dan D. Man Coyer, Dean Jensen, Denise Inglis, Gary Lindros, John Clifford, John Noble, Yorga Schrauen, Kyle Nishioka. Leon, Mark Kilfoyle, Brad Miller, Mike Wills, Saturday Morning Media, Stephen Weshy, Steve Cody, Steve Theory, Steve Webb, Steve London, and Tim Cook. I just like the way that ends right on the musical cue. So we're going to go from there. If you want to be among these people, get your name on the show. Get a postcard as we send it or a personalized email or uh, what else? T-shirts for the $5 patron level. Go over to patreon.com slash Technorama Podcast. Sign up if you think this show is somewhat valuable, informative, or slightly entertaining. We would greatly appreciate it. We don't yes. spend the money on beer or coffee or anything. It's it's nope. all directly tied back to the finance of this show. So. Now we can do pa- pass me the remote. Yeah. Okay, let's get that going. Go for it. All right. So I'll throw this out real quick. Um, Paul Asadorian, who, who did the, the Paul.com security weekly podcast a while yeah. back. Remember, remember Paul? Yep. Um, he had a post on his uh, Facebook wall. We're still calling it walls uh, on his Facebook. And he had a floppy disk that was signed by uh, Rinaldi uh, Santiago, who played in the movie Hackers back in the 90s. I love that movie. It's goofy, you know, hacker kind of stuff. Uh, it's not realistic in any way, but um, I loved it. And I went, oh, I want that. And it, so I did. I paid uh, paid for it. So he signed it and it says the king of 9X, which is what he was calling himself in the movie. And it says Phantom Freak and it has his name on it. And 
Hold on. And I got a um a beanie thing and it says hack the planet on it. Oh nice. <laughs> yeah. So that comes with it too. So as soon as I saw this Paul's post, I went, Oh, I gotta get one. So I did. So that one of my one of my favorite nineties movies. Not like I said, it's a guilty pleasure kind of movie. I love it. You've seen it, right? The Marvels? I don't think I have. No, no, not the Marvels. Oh, I thought that's what you're talking about. Hackers. Oh, I've seen most of it, I think. Yeah. It had, that's the, that's where it, I was it talking had about. Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the, Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's where the that's where the uh yeah. actor was from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I was making a note. You gave me a great idea that I need to get to the team tomorrow. And it would have been lost in an instant if I hadn't written it down. Oh, okay. So you're ignoring me. I got it. No, I heard you talking about <laughs> your hat. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the first movie I watched was uh, The Marvels. It was um, uh, a follow-up with uh, Captain Marvel, uh, who we've seen um, you know, in a couple movies before. Yeah. And she teams up with Miss Marvel, who has had a series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's just a semi-related character. They're you know, kind of like sidekick kind of thing in the comics. Uh, so I watched the Marvels and I enjoyed it. Uh, it had a, it kind of had a um, made for TV kind of vibe a little bit, if I may. But overall, I liked it. Um, basically, they find out that their powers. There's three up. Uh, there's uh, three of them that have the same powers or similar powers, and there's something causing them whenever they two of them use the powers at the same time they switch places no matter where they're at. It's called know, the freaky the Friday power. It's a little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit like that. Um, and they end up having to work together and pull everything together. Now, I didn't like the villain so much. Uh, could have been a better villain. Uh, that's where the TV movie part came in. Okay. But, uh, but overall I, I liked it, you know, I thought it was pretty good. All right. I have been once again, tromping through the YouTube documentaries and yep. uh, I, I looked, I said, did I even watch any Netflix in the last month? Nope. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, Donna and I have been watching some stuff on hers. I'll, we've got a new series started. I'll give you a, a, a wrap up when we're done with the first season. But right. uh, YouTube documentary that I watched, lots of them. And here are some of my favorites that I pulled out for you. One is called When Whales Could Walk. And this follows the evolutionary trail starting in... Um, Oh, what's the place called? Uh, Wadi Hama. Uh, it's 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 like in the Sahara, mm-hmm. um, where there are a whole bunch of whale and whale ancestor fossils, including Basilosaurus and Pachycetus. Uh, there's just a lot of proto whales and how they trace them back to how they started from land and then they went into the water. There's still some missing steps in this trail. Like, Oh, we'd love to find. <laughs> Wait um, a minute. No pun intended. Yes. You yes. know, steps. Yeah. <laughs> missing steps. <laughs> missing, missing stages in this evolutionary tale. <clears throat> there you go. But uh, they've been around for a while. They, and the transformation didn't take that long to get them back to uh, a mostly aquatic structure from a mostly land driven uh, mm-hmm. Where where they they saw the fossil and they said this animal could support its weight on land too. This one definitely couldn't because you know it's got stubby little back legs like a T Rex arms that aren't going <laughs> to hold anything, and right. it's sixty feet long. So that's not a land mammal anymore. No. Uh, but it was it was a fascinating show. When whales could walk, it's a, actually a Nova special. So I've been I, don't, I forgot what channel I got this from. It might have been the actual PBS uh, YouTube yeah. channel. Where they also had another one called Ice Age Footprints. And okay. they went to White Sands in New Mexico and at an undisclosed location, miles and miles and miles from anywhere, they found some prehistoric footprints, including uh, the North American mammoth, the giant ground sloth. And these are all next to each other and human footprints. And they said, well, that's lovely. How old are these? Because we know these animals, the, the, the megafauna, went extinct mm, 10,000-ish, 9,000-ish years ago at the end mm-hmm. of the last ice age. And the popular theory was 
that that's when man showed up, crossing the Bering Strait, coming down in North America. <laughs> hey, everybody! All, all the megafauna. <laughs> And yeah. they dated these things. I'm not going to ruin the spoiler, but it really turns the theory on its head that no, not initially anyway. They didn't they didn't kill them off because they coexisted for quite a long time. Hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, a fascinating story about how they how they they dug this trench and they were trying to date some of the 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 organic material that they found among the layers, the layers were structured and the number they came back with repeatedly suggests this date, which was way earlier and they can't quite figure it out because most of Mm. North America was still locked up in ice. How did they get down here? Uh, And they also talk to, they, they give the local, uh, local Indians accounts and stories about this. And they're saying, this just proves what we've been saying all along. The 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 white man really twisted around history when they they see these theories and go, oh well, that's because you know the the first Americans came in and killed off all the megafauna because this this and this, and they went, mm, no, that's not what our history tells us. Well, your history is no good because it's just oral and it's stories, and it's like, no, we're starting to prove that they didn't know what they were talking about. Right. So, and and this has happened elsewhere as well. That uh, I was watching another one. This isn't on my list, but there's a, a show on Rapa Nui, aka Easter Island. And oh yeah. What happened to the people there? Way the, different. The, There's making some the, scientific the statues discoveries. came out and ate them and went no, back. no, no, no. <laughs> way different than the popular theory we had even as little as ten years ago. So. I am I am digging me some documentaries these days. I'll let you go do another one. They'll come back with something. Okay, so um, I need to go back to my show notes. Uh, freelance on Hulu. Yeah, so we started. We watched watch Freelance, and um, it's a it's a John Cena movie mm-hmm. where he was in the service and he was injured really badly because they were they were sent in to go kill a uh, this dictator. Well, their his helicopter crashed, and um, of course, you know he was he had to leave the service because his back was all messed up. So, um, turns around years later, he's kind of missing that lifestyle. So he ends up becoming uh, his friend recruits him to become like a mercenary style. You know, he's got a company now, and they invites John Cena's character in to come in and do some work. Anyway. He goes down to that same South American country and meets up with the dictator. Uh, and it's just a horrible movie. <laughs> you mean horrible as in violent? Don't watch it. No, horrible as in just, bad. It sucked. Oh, okay. It was terrible. So don't watch freelance people. That's your takeaway. No, from this one. And I like John Cena. He's a talented guy, but yeah, you know, peacemaker was far and above better than, you know, something like this. I was like, so, and then I had, what's funny is Christian Slater was his friend that was like, Hey, come on. Uh, you know, I'll, you know, come on and been to business with us. One of his best friends from back in the day. And I'm like, why did they bother putting Christian Slater in this movie? He, he basically had a long cameo and so he was in there just for a little while. His name was on the billing. I'm like, he was barely in the movie. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, freelance, uh, you know, uh, just avoid it. Okay. I think one of the favorite videos that I watched this week was a show, uh, another YouTube called why it was almost impossible to make the blue led. You think about it. We've got blue LEDs all over the place. You wouldn't have Bluetooth devices if they didn't have a blue led, right? Right. Uh, or our color, Flat screen displays rely on blue LEDs. It, it's it's all over the place. Jumbotrons, yes. blue LEDs. Mm-hmm. They were invented a lot more recently than you might think. We've had red and green since the 40s, 50s. And they said, well, that's nice. We know we'd like to have a blue LED. And companies like 3M and Hitachi and Sony, they all threw Billions and millions of dollars at this going, I don't think we can make this. It, it, there's there's too many problems involved with getting um, 
they could make a uh, you need two types of material, P-type and N-type, which are created through doping, which is adding impurities to <laughs> silicon or whatever. That's and, what Lance Armstrong got in trouble for. Right, right. But he wasn't making LEDs. <laughs> and and then there's they, – they could make a P-type out of one material but not an N-type. And everybody was focused on on making this one material. And then this research guy from a failing electronics company – said, I'd like to take a crack at it. The CEO of the company says, okay, I'm going to give you some money, but you got to show, you know, we're going to go out of business anyway, but here's some money, figure it out. This is as much a story about technology and innovation as it is uh, persistence. Because mm-hmm. later the CEO, I forget if he dies or he just turns over the company to his son and his son tells the scientist, stop working on this project. And he basically crumpled up the th- note and threw it in the wastebasket. Oh, really? Repeatedly. I'm surprised he didn't get shown the door by security after a while, but he finally pulled wow. it off. And this company is now like the number one manufacturer of blue LEDs in the world. He saved wow. the bacon. He did not get the monetary compensation that he deserved, mm-hmm. um, but he didn't stick around that company long after anyway. Oh, so wow. the, yeah, it was, it was a very impressive story. The blue LED has only been around since the early 90s. Right. Well, I didn't realize that either. Yeah. It was it was just fascinating. It was about 40 minutes yeah. of, oh my gosh, wow, that's impressive. And how complex this is and how, how this guy truly thought out of the box to go, well, let's put in a buffer layer here. Well, that didn't work. And he was literally re-engineering the equipment that was needed to generate the materials to build a blue LED. He's like, well, that didn't work. Uh, what if I add this and tweak that? And and he worked for, what did he say? Like a year and a half every day following this same routine. Wake up at seven, go to the lab, yeah. work for six hours, tinker, tinker, test, test, build some stuff, spend the afternoon evaluating it. And it was just over and over and over for a very, very long time. And then finally he he got what he was oh. looking for. Like just- Wow. Persistent AF man. This this was a wonderful <laughs> story. Why it was almost impossible to make the blue LED. If you can't find it, go over to our show notes at chuckchat.com slash technorama episode three seven thirty-four. Hey, by the way, yeah. Um speaking of LEDs, it reminded me of some a story my dad told me. Um I'm trying to remember if he said it was at, his, at school or somewhere else. But anyway, at any rate. Uh, this guy, it was in like a electronics class mm-hmm. and he said, he, hey, everybody gather around and he t- turned the lights off in the, sh- in the shop and then turned on the led and he had to turn the lights off because it was bright enough. It was just, you could just barely see it on. Yep. And the guy was like, this is the future right here. This led. Very and, anticlimactic. Yeah. Cause it's like dim, but dad said it was fascinating to see nonetheless, but now look today. I mean, uh, that was LED one of the hurdles he had to overcome. He said, yeah, I made a blue LED, but it had to be bigger than, what was it? A thousand milliwatts or something. And, and the first one he came out with was 80. So it was very dim. And he was like, oh yeah, figure out a way to brighten that thing up. Otherwise yeah. no one's going to buy it. And and yeah. he, he eventually did. It was very, Now very look around impressive. now. I got LEDs yep. all around me. I don't have a regular, I don't have a regular bulb in my room. So I, I had to look to make sure it was the case. You don't <laughs> I'm I'm leaving the light bulb idea alone. <laughs> Ding. All right. So the next movie I saw, which was I, I liked it a lot better than Freelance, was called Good Grief. And it stars let me pull this up. Uh, Charlie Daniel Brown. Levy. No. Daniel Levy and Luke Evans and um uh Plather is a bunch is a big cast. And it's a Netflix movie where uh Daniel Levy's character Mark uh has a a husband and he goes to leave on a trip and as he left for the trip, he has a car accident and he dies. So he basically, um, so Mark, um, Daniel Levy's character loses his spouse and he's kind of, his grip stricken, you know, stricken because he's, yeah, you know, obviously for obvious things, but he had a Christmas card from him. He was supposed to open at Christmas, but because of um, his loss, he never did. And he kept it. He never opened it. So his friends were helping him out over the year. Um, there's some twists. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kind of 
tell you all of it, but, uh, but it's about his friends helping him through his grief. And there was some, you know, you gotta be careful what you, uh, what you do when you're here, because when you're gone, there's some revelations that might show up if if you've been having, you had some lies going on. So it was a pretty good movie. I really liked it. Um, I'll say one part. You'll think this is funny. So the character finds out that there was a other apartment in Paris that this, the dead spouse had. And Kim looked at me and said, you better tell me if you got another, uh, an, another home somewhere. I said, actually, I do have another home somewhere. <laughs> and I got a mountain house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she was taking, but she was taking a drink right when I said, I do have a second home. And then she started, she almost did a spit take. Cause I, perfect time <laughs> uh, anyway you um, asked lady you asked yeah. so i would say this is this is okay it's a little melancholy in some places and so it, i would say i'd probably drug a little bit because of that however i enjoyed it um so I, there you go all I right like daniel levy though i like daniel levy from schitt's creek Last one that I've got is another YouTube video, of course, documentary called The Mystery oh, of the yeah. Village That Beat the Black Death. So this is about, obviously, there was the plague in like 1348 to 1351 that wiped out about a third of the population in Europe, in some cases mm-hmm. even higher. I think they said Florence, Italy lost uh, about 75% of their population and wow. this was about 60%. Was it that high? It was ridiculous at first. Okay. Then it crept up to England. Well, there was a mm-hmm. second wave of this that came along in the mid-1600s that uh, decimated a whole bunch of people. And this little town, uh, as the story goes, this man took out a, some cloth and it may have been infected by fleas and the fleas bit him. And now he's patient zero in this little town. And after a few people get sick and die, the town realizes we have to quarantine ourselves. So they said, nobody goes in, nobody goes out. We'll we'll starve they said well will this neighboring lord says i'll provide you with food just leave money on a rock outside of town and i'll drop off apples and whatever you need i'll leave the wagon outside of the uh, town so you can just come pick it up meanwhile people are dying and dying and dying and dying of course Mm -hmm. a year goes by and some brave souls say uh we better go check on them i think everybody's dead and they found survivors they said that's not possible everybody should have died because it's a hundred percent mortality rate. You get this, you die. And mm-hmm. if you're around these sick people, you will die. They found an instance of a woman who had six children and a husband. They all died. She didn't. She literally like oh. buried them all within a week. Oh my god. And they're they're up on a That's hill. Heartbreaking. Yeah. The guy who picked dead people up on the cart, he buried, he picked up over two hundred bodies and buried them. And he didn't get sick. Like, what's going on here? Hmm. Now, this town is is pretty secluded, and there hasn't been a whole, whole lot of population turnover. I mean, you can trace your lineage back to the families that survived. You know, this is the Furness family, and this is the McLeod, whatever it was. Uh, and, and they said this is, you know, 10, 12, 15 generations later, whatever it was. So they said, we're going to do some DNA testing, figure out if we can, see if we can figure out what's going on. And they found this genetic mutation called Delta 32. And if you had one instance of this in your genome, you were likely to get sick and recover, as was the tale of whatever her name is, uh, 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 McKnight, whatever. They said, oh, she was very sick with the plague. She was delusional. She said she was thirsty. She came into the kitchen and started drinking what she thought was water. Glug, 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 turns out it was bacon fat. And they thought, oh, bacon fat cures the plague. No, that's not how it goes. Uh, Well, I'd be safe. I've been eating bacon all the time. (laughs) No, she was (laughs) drinking the bacon fat, which I don't Uh, understand unless it was hot. But um, yeah, pretty gross. But she was delusional. Uh, She had one instance of this in her genome. Now, if you had two, you were immune because the way that the plague works is the virus gets in your bloodstream and it gets into the white blood cells, hijacks its Mm -hmm. way to the lymph system, and then it's game over. Mm -hmm. That's also the, the cool part here. Okay, so they figured that's how these people lived. 
Fast forward to the 80s, and they're talking about uh, – it's it's 1980 San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Oh, the gay people are having their gay parade parades and oh yeah the lifestyle yeah. and everybody's happy. And then about 1982, there's this new disease that comes out. And they're talking to this guy. He right. said, "I lost 70 friends to AIDS. Oh, oh I yeah. shared the same lifestyle, yet I didn't die. I didn't get sick. Nothing. They tested him. Guess what's in his bloodstream in his in his genomes? Delta 32. Really." The same thing. And they traced it back. They said his European ancestors who had developed this, they figured it probably, it, 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 it became a thing in the first wave of the plague and saved a number of people in the second wave of the plague. And then it's been handed down and it has the same defense mechanism to keep AIDS from hijacking the white blood cells, getting into the system, and then you know shutting down your immune system. Mm-hmm. And he has this, like, wow, imagine if we're just learning about Delta 32 and it's saving people. Because usually you hear about genetic mutations and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. There's good stuff that happens to this. There's a whole lot of knowledge we don't know in our genetic makeup. And I was just blown away that, like, you know, as soon as I told Lisa this, she goes, CRISPR. I was like, yes, please, I'll take some. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, wow, that's pretty. That's interesting. It know. is. I mean, there's there's some really yeah. cool stuff out there on YouTube. Well, look, right that's now. where the X Men came from. Mutations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So my last one uh, that I got here is uh, Kim and I were watching True Detective. Um, then there's a there's four seasons. Uh, we just you don't have to watch the first three to watch the, you know, or you don't have to watch any one to understand the rest. Uh, so. We jumped in. This one's got Jodie Foster in it, and uh, it's it's pretty good. It's also one of those. It's kind of drug out a little bit. It's about six episodes, I think it's going to be. Um, but for the most part, I like it. They're in this in Ennis, Alaska, where uh, it's right at the last sunset, and it's going to be you know dark for about three months, mm-hmm. and then they they start trying to there's murder comes around and they, they start tracking down the case and then you get all these, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. Um, there's some, the people are protesting against this, uh, manufacturer in town that is soiling the water. So it's causing a lot of birth, to, uh, well, stillbirths and things like that. Then you got these murders and it's driving people crazy. Just being in the dark. It's a lot going on. It's but it's a pretty good uh, show overall. I like it. I like Jodie Foster, um, and she's doing a great job along with everybody else. So uh, I'd say it's a good show. Neat. I'll have to check that out. Oh wait, I don't have Max. Oh, wah, wah. Yeah. back to the documentaries. Well, there the other ones that had like um, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. That was the first season, yep. and I uh, forget the other two, but yeah. All right, that takes us to the end. We have a question of the week for you, though, before we go. If time travel was possible and you could send a modern smartphone back to a scientist from the past, who would you choose and how do you think it would change history? <laughs> hey, Einstein goes, oh, look at here, and he starts doom scrolling and he never comes up with the... <laughs> there, well, you'd have to have all... The content downloaded to your phone because you're not connecting to anything. I know. Just uh, make that leap, okay? Just make that leap. <laughs> you know, you don't. You Are don't you connecting through some like... time portal to the servers of the present? <laughs> no, just here's a smartphone. Uh, just assume we can use it, okay? How about that? It, you, they'd, they'd be looking at it at the back, going, "Where's the picture coming from? How's it? <laughs> how's that? Oh, the battery died." I don't know how to charge it. Oh, <laughs> uh, battery anxiety disorder. Yeah, I could just imagine Einstein doom scrolling. Then we don't we don't get all this uh, all this uh, research. I will because he gets sucked into social media. Yeah, <laughs> he teams up with Elon Musk. And ah, that? <laughs> no, 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 no. It would be Nikola Tesla. You know that way you're tied oh. to Elon Musk through Tesla. Anyway, yeah, leap of faith there too. All right, that takes us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate you giving us your time once again. Let me push that button. 
and bring that fader down. So you can find us by searching for Technorama Podcast anywhere you find podcasts on all the popular directories. We've been around for, oh, about 19 years. So you should be able to find us. You can reach us on the listener line. Craig's going to put that on the screen, right? 707-530-2428. That just so happens to spell chat. 707-530-CHAT. How about that? As in chuckchat.com. Technorama at chuckchat.com is where you can email us. But that's how that works. Oh, we have a whole bunch of other stuff on here that's probably getting obsolete, but I'm not going to read it today. But don't forget, consider being a patron or upgrading your patronage if you already are. We appreciate that a whole lot. Thank you very much. Thank you, Craig, for finding us some stories to talk about and oh, yeah. sharing what shows you're working with and work, working on. Till next time, give him a binary high five. One zero one.